are now listening to PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. But I remember um, a couple of months ago, when Pastor Sam first asked me, he was like, hey, Danny, would you be down to preach at our pursuit gathering? And uh, for a, a, a bit of time, I was, I was hesitant. I was like, nah, I don't think so. Like, let me pray into it. Let me pray into it, right? The, the Christian answer, let me pray into it, right? But as I prayed into it more and more, I felt like God was saying, yeah, Danny, like, I've I, I given you a word to share. And for those of you guys who know me, you guys know that my heart is big on revival. Like, I love everything related to revival. Like, I love repentance. And revival is all about, like, the fire of God. You know what I'm saying? It's like, fire of God, come down. That's revival. So I remember when Pastor Sam first told me, I was like, all right, that's what I'm going to preach on. I'm going to preach on the fire of God. I'm going to preach on repentance. And everybody's going to get saved. You know, shout out. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody's going to get saved. And this super exciting. But the more I prayed into it, I felt like God was saying, no, that's not it. I feel like God was saying, Danny, I'm giving you a specific message that I want you to share. And at first, I'm not going to lie. I was like, God, are you sure? <laughs> like, no offense, God. Like, I love you and you're God and all, but the message you gave me is kind of whack, you know? Like, it's hard to preach. Like, I'll be honest. But the more I prayed into it to the place of prayer, the more I really felt like this word is for this region. Amen? And the reason why I'm saying that is, is actually because of the culture and generation that we live in. People call it the microwave generation. You guys ever heard that before? Right? In other words, we want everything quickly. We want instant fame. We want instant success. Right? We hear all these overnight stories, success people, Justin Bieber, apparently there's this new guy named Yodeling Boy. I never I never heard of him. But some of y'all know, you guys are laughing, you guys heard of him, right? We want that instant success. And as I pray more and more into it, I believe that God wants to raise up a generation that isn't for that culture, but is actually countercultural. Yeah. Right? So this is what I mean. In the, in the English dictionary, or in the English language, there's something called an oxymoron. Do you guys know what that is? Right? Oxymoron, for those of you guys who don't, right? it's two words that have the very complete opposite meaning. But because of culture and society, we began to place the two words together, and that would make sense for each word complements one another. Right? Two words, opposite meanings, but we place them together because of society and, and, and culture. Let me give you an example. Jumbo shirt. You guys heard that before, right? Yo, that person is a jumbo shirt. In other words, yo, he mad small, right? I've heard it a lot more now. I hate them. Just kidding. All right, there's another one. If you're from New York, you, you hear this a lot. Yo, that person right there, yo, they're mad happy. <laughs> like, oh, excuse me? Like, are they mad or are they happy? You know what I'm saying? I remember I told my uh, one of my boys from California, and he was like, Danny, I don't get it. Like, what do you mean by mad happy? I was like, yo, don't worry about it. He's like, oh, Danny, that's dumb. You know what I said? I said, I'm dumb smart. <laughs> Y'all heard that before, right? Dumb smart. Is it dumb or is it smart? There's one more. There's one more. For whoever's from uh, California or West Coast, y'all say this word that I do not like. And as of lately, my younger sister started saying it too. I don't get it, right? But is this word, it's, it's, check this out. They say, yo, that person right there worshiping the Lord, they're hella holy. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> like, pardon me? Like, what? Hella holy? Like, what are they? Are they holy? Going? Like, I didn't get it, right? And some people, they're so Christian, they don't even like to use the word hella. They say, Echo, <laughs> right? But why am I sharing this? Why am I sharing all this? Because I believe in today's culture, there's actually another group of words that should never belong together. Two opposites. But because of culture and society today, we place them together almost meaning the same thing. You guys know what that is? Powerless Christians. 
And this is why I'm saying that. This is why I'm saying that. I believe that in this generation and in this region and in this culture, there has never been such a time where so many people claim to profess Christ but live such powerless lives. They claim to profess Christ, but they're not doing anything for the kingdom of God. But today, I want to share with you guys the word of God, which I believe holds the secret key as to how to live a power-filled life as believers. Can I get an amen? amen? So this is what I want to do. Those who are taking notes, the title of my sermon today is Power in Remaining Hidden. Okay, Power in Remaining Hidden. Turn to Matthew chapter 3. I'm going to start reading from verse 1. If you guys have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 3. Let me give you guys a bit of context. There's a character in the Bible whose name is John the Baptist. And we're actually going to be examining his life. But John the Baptist, according to the Bible, it actually says before his birth, the Old Testament prophets even prophesied over his birth. Right? They were saying, yo, there's going to come a guy, he's going to prepare the way of the Lord. And so an angel comes to, to uh, John the Baptist's parents, Elizabeth and Zachariah, and says, hey, you're going to have a son, you're going to have a baby. He's going to prepare the way for Jesus. And he's going to be so anointed, I'm actually going to anoint him in the mother's womb. Right? Fast forward, John the, ba- ba- John the Baptist pops out, bro. And then um, the Bible actually says that he went into the desert for 30 years. 30 years. You know what he was doing for 30 years? He was being hidden. Okay? This is where we leave off. Verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sin. Skip down to verse 11. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. Verse 13. Then Jesus, everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. Why am I sharing this? I want to share, I want to talk to you guys about hiddenness, okay? John was hidden. John the Baptist, John the Baptist was hidden. Now the purpose of hidden, hiddenness is actually very different from wilderness. Okay? I've heard a lot of sermons recently about wilderness, and I love each and every one of them. I think it's so accurate and so good. But let me tell you guys the difference. Wilderness, I believe that every believer will go through. Okay, I believe every believer will go through a period of wilderness. And the purpose of the wilderness is for God's revelation to be revealed unto man. In other words, for us to know who God is, right? For example, Moses, after Moses killed the Egyptian, he ran away. And the Bible says for 40 years he was in the wilderness. What happened? God revealed himself through a burning bush. Does that make sense? The Israelites, after they escaped Egypt, right, what happened? They were in the wilderness for 40 years. What does the Bible say? The Bible says God revealed himself during the day through a cloud, and during the night, through a pillar of fire, right? Every single one of those Israelites went through the wilderness. Not everyone survived, but everyone nonetheless went through a season of wilderness. That's why I believe every believer will go through a season of wilderness. Hiddenness, on the other hand, is this. 
Hidden this, I believe, those who are called must go through a period of hiddenness. Specifically, those who are called must go through a period of hiddenness. And the purpose of hiddenness is this, is that you will be made known unto God. In other words, that God will know you. Very clear difference. Why am I saying this? Right? Why am I saying this? The first thing that happened after John the Baptist, 30 years of being hidden, he came out to the public scene and it says in verse 13, Jesus came from Galilee and said, I know you. You're John the Baptist. I need to get baptized by you. God knew John, right? Now in Matthew chapter 6, I have the verses up here. You guys can put it up. In Matthew chapter 6, the Bible makes it very, very clear as to why the hiddenness is so important, as to why God knows us in the hiddenness, right? Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 3. Okay. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So that your giving may be hidden, and your Father who sees you in your hiddenness will reward you. The Bible says this three times in the book of Matthew. Verse, uh, same chapter, chapter 6, verse, verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Let me make this a little bit more relevant to our times. When you spend time with the Lord reading the Word of God, do not Instagram it for the whole world to see. But do it in secret. It's your own time with the Lord. You don't, you don't have to say Monday mornings with God. Hashtag Hezekiah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't need to do that. Do it in secret. And God who sees you in secret, God who knows you in the hiddenness, God who sees you in the hiddenness will reward you. Bible makes it very clear. It says it one more time. Chapter 6, verse 17. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Purpose of the hiddenness is exactly that, that God will know you. Now some of you guys have been asking, oh wait Danny, but I thought God knew all of us, right? Like let's be real, like, I thought God knew us. And yes, God does know you. As a father knows his children, God knows everything about you. He knows you intimately. He knows the hair. He knows, the Bible says he knows how many uh, hair you have on your head. He knows everything about you. But the Bible also says that Jesus says, I never knew you. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from verse 22. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do many mighty miracles in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. My drop. <laughs> okay, okay. Right? Jesus himself says, I never knew you. How is that possible? I thought God knew everything about us. Jesus himself says, I never knew you. You see, the most commonly used analogy that the Bible says in regards to our relationship with Jesus is that Jesus is the bridegroom and we are the bride, right? As a husband is supposed to intimately know his wife, Jesus is saying, I do not intimately know you. How is it possible that we do all these many mighty miracles and stuff, but Jesus himself says, I never knew you. That word knew represents intimacy. So this is what I'm saying. I'm saying so many believers and so many people who profess Christ believe that they are doing awesome things, but there will come a day Jesus is talking to, to Jews. 
He says, there will come a day where I may say I never knew you. The purpose of hiddenness is this, is that God will know you. That's why I'm saying, do not forsake your period of being hidden. What's the point of being known by the world if you're not known by God? Come on. Okay, purpose of wilderness. Help you realize that there is a kingdom of God. The purpose of hiddenness, help you realize that the kingdom of God is inside of you. Okay? Alright, next point. What is, what is another purpose of the hiddenness? Another purpose of hiddenness is for you to be known by hell. Right, I'm going to ruffle some feathers with this one. The purpose of hiddenness is for you to be known by hell. Why am I saying this? According to Leonard Ravenhill, you guys know who that is? Leonard Ravenhill is like an old school uh, theologian slash revivalist, prominent in the 90s or 1900s. He, he, he said a sermon one day and he said, so many Christians profess Christ but are not known by hell. In other words, they're not a threat against the kingdom of Satan. In other words, not doing anything that, that damages the kingdom of Satan itself. So many people live lives, so many believers live, live lives not known by hell. Now, why is this so important? Because I believe in today's time, I believe in today's time, we're living in a place where people say so much but do so little. Right? That's why when you go on Facebook, let's be real, when you go on Facebook, there's all these Facebook theologians, right? Out of nowhere debating about whether or not drinking alcohol is a sin, right? I go on Facebook, I, I, I can't stop. Everyone is now a pastor. Like, everyone now became a seminary degree. You know, it's crazy. And they're debating and they're arguing on whether something like drinking alcohol is a sin. Meanwhile, their next door neighbor is an alcoholic and his family's about to break up because of his addiction. And instead of praying for that person, instead of interceding for that person, what do we do? We're on our bus, on, on Facebook, arguing about no drinking is sin, no drinking is good, no drinking is bad. We're living in a time where so many Christians are doing nothing, we're so powerless. Now why am I saying this? In Acts chapter 19, I'm going to be moving around a bit. In Acts chapter 19, we got the slides up. This is what the Bible says. It talks about itinerant Jews, in other words, Christians at that time. Let's start from verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of the Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. What's the saying? This is saying that people who profess Christ were such little threats against the kingdom of Satan that even when they were trying to cast a demon out, the demon said, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> That's crazy. I know of Jesus and I've heard of Paul. Well, who are you? Isn't that mind blowing? Isn't that absolutely crazy? How we proclaim and we profess that yes, we have the Spirit of God inside of us, the same Spirit that rose Christ and lives in us. But when it comes time to actually walking it out, the demon even says, who are you? You have no intimacy with the Lord. You're not making a difference against my kingdom. Who are you? You're nobody. That's crazy. 
so many today, so many Christians today, I'm not bashing on Christian, I'm a Christian too, you know? But so many Christians today, and so we're so satisfied with just going to church rather than being the church. Yeah. So many Christians today, we're so satisfied and content with listening to a good message without being the messenger. Wow. Well, so many Christians today, we're, 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 we're content with using God for our own gains, but not wanting to be used by God. Isn't that absolutely crazy? Now, why am I sharing this with you? Why am I sharing this with you? The devil, the demons didn't know who, this, who these sons of Sceva were. They said, who are you? What's the point of being known by the world if you're not known by hell? Who are you? That's crazy. Now, this is what it means. If the demons don't know who you are, it means that we're not destroying the kingdom of Satan, which means that we're not a threat, which means that we're living powerless lives. I want to bring it back. Once again, we're going to talk about how to be power-filled Christians. If we're, not making a, if we're not making a dent in the kingdom of darkness, we're living powerless lives. And the saddest part about this whole story is this. It's not that these, these quote-unquote Christians got beat up, right? This might sound a little mean, but check me out. I might even go as far as to say this. I think they deserved it. Because how dare you take the precious name of Jesus, the name that saves, the name that brings freedom, the name that saves us, the name that brings uh, liberty and freedom, how dare you take that and mess around with it? How dare you take that precious name and play games with it for your own gain? So that's what I'm saying. The saddest part about this whole story is not that they got beat up. You know what the saddest part about this whole story is? Is that there was a man who was being tormented by demons who wanted to be set free and came across some people who professed Christ believing that they can set him free. But he left the same way that he came in. Wow. He left with the same amount of demons that he came in with. Wow. Now some of you guys might be saying, yo, Danny, that's crazy. But isn't that like Bible times? You know what I'm saying? Like, isn't that during just the Bible days? Like, that doesn't happen nowadays. And I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to suggest something to us, okay? I believe that today in this region and in this country and in this generation, the reason why we don't see many people manifesting demons is because the devil already has us distracted with media. Wow. The devil already has us distracted, so he doesn't need to send his minions towards us. We're already so consumed by, by social media, right? We're already fixed on our beds, Netflixing and chilling, right? We're so distracted already. That's why I genuinely believe that we don't see people manifesting demons anymore. But I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. If you live your life as powerful lives, as powerful Christians, embracing the hiddenness, you will come across people who need freedom. You will come across people who have demons tormenting them and need freedom. I want to give you an example, okay? My sister knows this. I met up with a friend of mine not too long ago. All right? Caught up first time in like seven years. I kid you not. Midway in our conversation, my man was talking to demons. Weirdest thing ever. You guys don't have to believe me, but this is true. We were sitting down and catching up, and out of nowhere, he's talking to like literally the air. He's like, "Yo, yo, why don't you shut up? Like, there's nothing messy." <laughs> like, literally, he's hearing all these things. Like, yo, I'm gonna kill you. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what's happening? Right? Let me give you another example. A couple years ago, I went to California with a team to evangelize local evangelism. We went to the subway of California. And we're like worshiping, right? And we were reaching out to people who didn't know Jesus, right? We we're just trying to share the love of God. And this is what happened. And things were going great. We saw a lot of people commit their lives to Christ, right? But there's this one elderly man. He approached me and the sister of mine. And, and we're, we're striking conversation with them. We're like, hey, do you know, you know who Jesus is? And right away, you could tell that there's something, there's something odd about him, right? He, was, he, wasn't, he wasn't himself. There's just something a little different about him. 
right? But we were still like, hey man, Jesus loves you so much. Like Jesus absolutely loves you. He died for you. And now he starts arguing and debating with us. And, and things get a little tense. Like things get really tense. And out of nowhere, his voice gets louder, like shouting. Like, like he's uh, becoming more verbally abusive, like throwing in a lot of these F-bombs and whatnot. And out of nowhere, you can even see his eyes start changing color. Now, this is a real story. Just because we don't see it every day doesn't mean it's not real. This is a real story. He begins to manifest. And he begins to shake up to a point where he's about to get physically violent with the sister of mine. So what's going on? I'm like, yo, chill out, bro. Right? And I'm like, okay, sir, you got to calm down. Like, like, relax, relax. You know what my sister's doing? Shake it, Come out of the name of Jesus. I'm like, dang, girl. Like, oh, snap. Right? True story. I kid you not. She had faith. She was, she was power filled. She was believing who, who God said she was. That's why I want to share this with you guys. All right. The purpose of hitting this is exactly that: to be power filled, to be known by hell. Next point. Why must you be hidden? Is to get rid of all desires to make yourself known, and instead to make Jesus known. All right. Let me say that one more time. To get rid of all desires to make yourself known, and instead to make Jesus known. John the Baptist, he was so anointed, right? The, the Bible here says, so anointed that even during his short time of ministry, he had followers left and right. Like he was baptizing people left and right, and like it was absolutely crazy. But what did John say? What did John do? He always pointed back to Jesus. People were like, yo, like this guy is so anointed. Aren't you the Messiah? Aren't you the Christ? The Bible actually says that. People mistaken John the Baptist as Christ because he was so anointed. But what did John the Baptist say? John chapter 3, verse 28 to 30. This is what he says. He says, I'm not the Christ. When someone asks him, are you the Christ? He's like, no, I'm not the Christ. But I've been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase and I must decrease. John literally says, I'm not the Christ. My joy is this, that I must decrease while Jesus is increased. The passage that we read, Matthew chapter 3, this is what it says. It says, I baptize you with water. This is John the Baptist speaking. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John the Baptist was never obsessed with making himself known. He was obsessed with making Jesus known. In the hiddenness, you have to get rid of all desires to make yourself known. Okay? In our culture today, right? I'm going to bring this back again. In our culture today, everything is about making ourselves known. Like, let's be real. It really is. Everything's about making, getting our names out there. Those who did jobs, uh, job searching before, y'all know what I'm talking about. You got to get your name out there. Even those in ministry, like, I'll be honest. I'm trying to go into ministry. I'll be honest. A part of me wants to get my name out there. You know, like, yo, you know who Danny Kang is? No, who's that? Yo, <laughs> me. You know what I mean? Like, yo, yo I heard you preach. Who? Danny Kang? Yeah. Yo, who is he? <laughs> right? Like, let's be real. That's the culture we live in. We, we idolize fame so much, especially through social media. That's why, if we're honest for a second, that's why in all of our Instagram stories, like we like the filter with the dog that they go uh, and then tongue comes out, like, uh, uh, right? Because it makes us look mad cute, right? Or the, or the headband and the butterflies flying out. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? The, the, the filter. It makes us look mad cute. Our eyes get bigger, it makes us look cute. 
And, and especially within the Asian society, I don't get, I don't, I don't know what about the Asian society itself, but we're just obsessed with selfies. That's what we invented the selfie stick. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're, we're so consumed with the idea of getting ourselves out there. We're so consumed with getting our name out there. We're so consumed with people knowing who we are. But in the period of hiddenness, you have to let that go. You have to get rid of all desires to make yourself known for the sake of making Jesus known. Yeah. Now, let me tell you guys a story. Last couple days ago, yesterday, yesterday, if you guys follow me on Instagram, I've been playing basketball a lot lately. And, and I'll be honest, growing up, um, I played with, I didn't play with, with brothers, right? I didn't play with, um, yeah, I didn't play with brothers. I played, I played with brothers. You know what I'm saying? You have, you have the one thing. I didn't play with, with, with Asians or white people. Nah, I played with black people. And no lie, I really think I was kind of good. Like, I was so good that you just call me Yao Ming. Um, you guys even know who that is? I don't know some of you guys. Right, I was so good. Do you guys know who Hot Sauce is? Hot Sauce is this uh, street baller, right? And those of you guys who know Hot Sauce, he's nasty. Right? But hot sauce is black, so you know what they call me? Soy sauce. <laughs> like, I'm not even talking. They're like, yo, damn, you man, like, like, you soy sauce. I'm like, that's right. <laughs> you know? But, but why am I saying this? Okay, yesterday, 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 bringing this back. Yesterday, right? I Instagram story myself making a shot. And I'm not gonna lie, it was beautiful. It was pretty. It said, right? And I Instagrammed it on, on, on Insta story, and I get a couple messages from people. Yo, next to LeBron James, I'm like, yeah, you know, like, that's right, you know? Like, oh, yo, yo, Danny, you're so good, we should play one day. I'm like, yeah, man, for sure, I'm trying to be humble. Little do they know, it took me 27 tries to finish it, that Insta story looked mad good, right? And some of you guys know what I'm talking about, because you guys are just saying, can we take selfies? Oh, I don't know, I guess one more, you know, you know what I'm saying? But we're so obsessed, we're so consumed with getting our names out there, we're so consumed with the world knowing who we are, but in the place of hiddenness, you have to make Jesus known. But when you live for the applause of man, you will die for the applause. You will die by the applause of man. We heard that before. Yeah. When we live for the applause of man, we will die by the applause of man. We're called to go make Jesus famous, not ourselves. So let me give you guys some practicals. What do you do when you're hidden? Almost done. What do you do when you're hidden? First point: you have to surrender. You have to surrender. Surrender all your agendas. Surrender all your desires. Surrender all your dreams, all your vision, all your passion. You have to surrender. And I think, I think, I don't know why, I was talking to Pastor Howard about this, but I think for, for our generation today, we're, we know Jesus as Savior, right? We know that Jesus saved us. But many people don't know Jesus as Lord. All right? Lord means that he has dominion over every aspect of our lives. In other words, we have to surrender every aspect of our lives in order to call him Lord. If we don't, we're just lying. We don't mean it when we say Lord. Right? That's why, that's why if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Does that make sense? Yeah. We have to surrender. But the cool part about it in Matthew 6.33, it says this. Seek first the righteousness of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And everything else shall be added on to you. Right? And then Jesus did this absolutely perfectly. In Philippians chapter 2, it says, even though Jesus was in the very form of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he humbled himself, taking the form of a man, of a servant, and in humility, in humility, he was obedient even to the point of death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted his name above every other name. When you humble yourself and when you surrender yourself to the Lord, he will exalt you. Can I get an amen? Next point. What do you do when you're hidden? Don't promote yourself. Let God promote you. Don't promote yourself. Let God promote you. John was in the desert growing for 30 years. 
is what Luke chapter 3 says. Being hidden for 30 years until a word of God came to him. Jesus was being hidden for 30 years, growing and increasing wisdom and in favor with God according to the book of Luke. Until God said it's time. King David, you guys know the story of King David. King David, after he was anointed by prophet Samuel, what does it say? He went back to the fields, was a shepherd again, played that instrument. Until King Saul said, send for David, because I have evil spirits that are tormenting me. Do not promote yourself. There will come a time when God promotes you out of the place of hiddenness. Do not promote yourself. Many times I feel like we, we, we feel like we have so much to show the world. And it's true. Right? We have a lot of God-given gifts, and I'm not trying to take anything away from that. But sometimes we, 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 we focus on that so much and say, God, I have so much I need to show the world. God, I have so much that I need to get out there. God, I know I've been created for more. But there will come a time when God promotes you on his own. Do not promote yourself. Now, this is not what I'm saying. Um, I think a lot of times, for me personally, I have, I have struggled with social media and what I can post on social media, right? Because I'll be honest, man, I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, promote myself, if, if you guys know what I mean, but sometimes there's like a really good picture of me, like let's say preaching, like, yeah, it looks good. Sometimes, I'm not gonna lie, I wrestle with it, like, God, I think this picture can bless a lot of people if I put some good things on it, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I put things like, God is good, you know? And, and, and like, this is what I'm saying. I'm not saying social media is bad. That's not what I'm saying. But for me, I have to do a lot of heart check. I have to do a lot of heart check where when I really search within, when I say, God, search me and know me, God revealed, hey, Danny, let's be real. You're doing it to make yourself known. So I'm, this is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't, don't post on social media. I think social media is an amazing tool for advancing the kingdom of God, right? I'm not saying don't post selfies on kingdom on, on social media. Some of y'all are mad, beautiful, and good-looking, and I think you need to bless the world with it, amen? But this is what I am saying. I'm saying, as Psalm 139 says, search yourself. Ask the Lord, search me, God. Know me. And if your intentions, because you could lie to man, but you can't lie to God. And if your intention is to reveal yourself, promote yourself, then don't do it, okay? This is, this is what, uh, what Bill Johnson says. Bill Johnson wrote that though. Okay? Whenever you gain through self-promotion, you'll have to sustain through self-promotion. When our promotion comes from God, however, he sustains it. One more time, one more time. Whatever you gain through self-promotion, you'll have to sustain through self-promotion. But when our promotion comes from God, he sustains it. We have to be hidden until God says it's time. Especially those who are called to change the world. I'm speaking to a room full of world changes. Can I get an amen? If the Lord is keeping me hidden, remain hidden until God says it's time. Why am I saying this? In, in the mother's womb, a baby is being formed. Now this baby is being formed and it's unseen to the eyes of the world. But how many of you guys know it's one of the most important stages of that human's life? Right? Or for example, a seed. Let's say a seed is planted on the ground. Invisible to the, the, the human eye. We cannot see. It's unseen. But how many of you guys know that that's one of the most important phases, important moments of the seed life? Why am I saying, why am I saying all this? Because in the womb, like the baby, we're being formed. Even though we're not seen by the public, we're being formed. Like a seed being planted, we're being rooted. Even though, we might, even though the world may not see us, even though we may not be revealed to the public eye, we're being rooted. Now, if you take these two away, what happened? Maybe you might taste success for a little bit. 
Maybe God might allow you to taste a little bit of success. Maybe you might have a ministry that thrives or a business that thrives or relationships that, that, that thrives. Whatever it might be. But it will not last. If you are not formed by the hands of the master, if you're not rooted in God, it will not last. Now there's this author, her name is Alicia Brick Cole. She changed my life. Because there's a book, it's called Anonymous. I, I highly recommend each and every one of you guys read it. But this is a quote from her book. This is what she says. Hiddenness is quite literally formative to be rested in and not rushed through. And most definitely never to be regretted. Hiddenness is never to be regretted. Unapplauded, but not unproductive. Hidden years are the surprising birthplace of true spiritual greatness. Let me say it one more time. Hidden years are the surprising birthplace of true spiritual greatness. I'm speaking to some people tonight. Right? When you embrace your hiddenness, it's gonna be this is gonna be my last part before we close. When you embrace your hiddenness, you will bear fruit that lasts. Right? That's why it's so important. I'm gonna bring this back to the whole point of, of powerless Christians. But powerless Christians do not bear fruit that lasts. They, they bear they might bear temporary fruit, where it might be a little bit of success, it might be a little bit of applause for man, it might be a little bit of, oh that person's nice, that person's anointed, whatever it might be. But it will not last. But John the Baptist is fruit lasting. Okay, why am I sharing this? John the Baptist was hidden for 30 years in the three years of ministry, very similar to Jesus. But according to theologians, he, he was hidden for about 30 years and only did about three years of ministry, if not less. But during this time of ministry, he prepared the way of the Lord. During the short time of three years, he prepared the way of the Lord. He baptized people. He, he led people to repentance. And not only that, but the Bible actually says, or oh, before that, Jesus himself even says, no man born of a woman shall be greater than John the Baptist. Right? He prepared the way of the Lord. Jesus says, no man born of a woman shall be greater than John the Baptist. But not only that, actually, even after he died, the book of Acts talks about this guy named Apollos in Acts chapter 18, I believe. But um, he talks about this guy named Apollos. Apollos, one of the most prominent Christian leaders in the early church history. He was a major evangelist, super anointed. The Bible has said he could preach powerfully. Apollos wasn't a Jew, right? He was generations after John the Baptist. But the Bible says that Apollos learned and was trained under the ministry of John the Baptist. So what happens when you embrace hiddenness? You, you, you bear fruit that lasts. Fruit that is similar to John the Baptist. Being acknowledged by Jesus and impacting generations. Amen. Once again, being acknowledged by Jesus and impacting generations. Uh, Dami, if, if we get ready to look. I want to I wanna share a couple stories with you guys. Um, there's a guy by the name of... of uh, Charles Finney. Do you, any of you guys know who he is? Charles Finney. Old school guy. Old, old school. But crazy preacher, revivalist. Right? According to historians, he said Charles Finney, who was very uh, well known for hosting revival sessions up in Rochester. Right? Rochester, New York. Buffalo, New York. Around that area. And people would literally get saved by the hundreds and by the thousands. Right? Story says that Charles Finney was so anointed, like literally in one of the church services, like he wouldn't even preach. He would just come up to the altar, get on his knees, and just start crying out. And the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, would fall so fall, like fall so heavily in that place that everyone would start to cry. He didn't preach a single word. Everyone would just begin to cry. But that's how anointed he was. And Charles Finney, a lot of people know about Charles Finney. There's 
Books after books after books written about Charles Finney. But what people don't know is this guy named Daniel Nash, Father Daniel Nash. Now he's not written in, in history textbooks. His name's not his name's not plagued in the, the list of historical revivalists. But Daniel Nash, Father Daniel Nash, what he did, he was an intercessor. Not a lot of people know him. Even to this day, only very few people know about Father Daniel Nash. But historians say that Father Daniel Nash would go, before Charles Finney would preach at a place, Father Daniel Nash would go weeks and months in advance, book a room at like a hotel or something, and literally for up until he felt the presence of God, he would get on his knees and just cry out. God wants to send revival. God wants to send revival. God wants to send revival. And, and, and literally, historians say that he was on his knees so much next to his bed, that next to his bed, there were literally indents in the wooden floor. That's crazy. But you know what the crazy part is? Is once Daniel Nash passed away, Charles Finney's ministry also ended just like that. Now, why am I sharing this with you? Daniel Nash was hidden. Daniel Nash was not seen by the public. Daniel Nash was hidden. He was hidden in a place of prayer. But up until this day, thousands and thousands and thousands of lives have been impacted, not only by Charles Finney, but by Daniel Nash, a man that no one even knows. That's what happens when you embrace your hiddenness. You might not get the applause of man. You might not get your name written in the historical books. But I can guarantee you, God himself will acknowledge and say, that's my son. That's my daughter. This person made a difference for the kingdom of God. This person was known by me. This person was known by hell. This person literally hijacked people who were walking straight to hell and instead brought them to the kingdom of God. Yeah. Kevin, can we put up the pictures? The first picture, please? Do you guys know what this is? A picture of? Say one more time. Yeah, iceberg. Not a trick question. It's a picture of an iceberg. Yeah. Now, this picture of an iceberg, um, historians, scholars, uh, those people, they say that this was probably about the size of the iceberg that uh, sunk the Titanic. Right? You guys know about the story of Titanic, right? Jack Rose. No, okay. But that's like an iceberg that was the size that struck or sunk the Titanic. Now, it's not very big. Okay? It's not very big at all. But somehow this iceberg alone sunk the Titanic. Now, what if I told you that this picture is very, actually very inaccurate? Or rather than inaccurate, what if I told you that it's, in, it's incomplete? This picture represents only the visible part of the iceberg. Next picture, please. Now I want you guys to take a look at that. That's a complete, accurate picture of an iceberg. Only 10% is visible when 90% is hidden. And because of the 90% that is hidden, that iceberg is virtually indestructible. Now, Alicia Brick-Cole says the same thing. 10% of your visible life plus 90% of your life marked in the hiddenness equals an indestructible life. Now, although we might only see the tip of the iceberg, our power comes from when we are hidden and that 90% is birthed from the place where we are hidden. And I wonder how many people today are going to be marked by God, not only for the sake of being seen by the public, but being known in the place of hiddenness. One last story, we're going to close. One last story. First time someone ever told me about hiddenness was about two years ago. Okay? And I remember, um, for those of you guys who know, I, I went through something called YWAM, the Center for Youth with the Mission. 
It's pretty much a six-month program where I'm equipped, trained, and essentially sent out as a missionary. And I got a chance to go to Southeast Asia. Absolutely incredible. Saw thousands and thousands and thousands of people give their lives to Christ within a short two months. Literally thousands of people give their lives to Christ. I see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people getting healed. Casting out demons left and right. It was absolutely so cool. Right? And I was so fired up. I'm like, yeah, God, I can't wait till I go home and I'm going to experience the same type of revival because this is what revival looks like, right? So I was like, I can't wait till I go back to New York and New Jersey. And I can't wait till I preach the word of God and everybody's going to get saved. You know what I'm saying? Like, thousands are going to get saved. And what happened? I came home on fire for the Lord, super ambitious. And I couldn't wait. I was so excited and, and, and expecting. And, and whenever there was an opportunity that came up, I took it right away. Yo, Danny, can you preach the for sure? You know what happened? No one responded. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not lying. True story. One of the one of the, one of the pastors that I that I ministered, one of the churches that I ministered, the pastor is here today. I love this brother. But I went to his church, I preached. This is the worst sermon ever. And literally kids are falling asleep on me. I was like, oh Jesus. But why am I saying this? Okay, let me get back to the point. Sorry, let me get back to the point. Alright? I was filled with the fire of God. Like God, I can't wait to see so many people come to you. And so ambitious, so ambitious. But one day, this person, this, this uh, pastor, older pastor, came up to me and said, Hey, Danny, I believe that the Lord wants to keep you hidden. I believe that you're in a season of hiddenness. And I believe that God wants to grow you in the secret. Right? Uh, this person was Pastor Sam. Pastor Sam, everyone, he's my mentor. Right? I love that Pastor Sam. Right, and he said, Danny, I believe that the Lord wants to keep you hidden. Right? I'm not going to lie. This is my initial thought. Like, keep you not. When Pastor Sam first told that to me, I was like, the devil's a liar. You know? The devil's trying to stop me from doing the work of God. No, I am called. Right? That's literally what I thought. I was so prideful. I'm not lying. I was like, man, how do I tell Pastor Sam that I need a new mentor? <laughs> I love him. But I was like, how do I tell Pastor Sam that I don't want him to mentor me anymore? He prevented me from walking in my brain. You know? No. But what happened is, even to this day, I'm so thankful. I thank God. That he actually told me that. To this day, I thank God that he actually said that to me. And at first, I couldn't understand why, because, like I said, I will pray and I feel like the Lord has given me a message. And it's not like the opportunities weren't there, like opportunities came. Like this isn't to boast, but literally people in Kansas City will say, hey, Danny, can you join our team and lead a group to, to the nation for mission? And I was like, oh, dope, right? Or, or Danny, we're, we're, we're looking for ministry people that like, you want to be a part of our ministry staff? Oh, that's awesome. Like, Danny, we're having a revival, you want to preach? I'm like, yo, for sure. Like, that's, that sounds good. But whenever I got to a place of prayer and I prayed, God, how do you feel about this? God, is it time yet? And I felt like more and more God would always say, Danny, not yet. Danny, not yet. Danny, don't rush it. What I'm doing right now, don't rush it. Stay hidden, stay hidden, stay hidden. And like I said, I'm frustrated. I'm like, God, I'm so urgent, though. Like, I want to see people say, like, you have a message that you're stirring up in me. And this is what I felt like he was saying. He's like, Danny, I'm more interested in developing a messenger rather than the message. Because a message is simple. The message is a simple gospel of Jesus Christ. But the messenger God takes highly. And God says, I am looking for a messenger. One who will not take fame for himself. One who will not take glory for himself. But a messenger who is formed and developed and so in love with me that they will be able to bring all glory, honor, and praise back to Jesus. And that's what I feel like I was saying, Danny, I'm not interested in you preaching. I'm interested in developing you as a messenger. 
And in the same way, I feel like in this room tonight, God wants to mark some people to not only be messengers, but to be used by God mightily. Not for the sake of being known by the public, but for, but for the sake of being known by God. For making a difference against the kingdom of darkness. The secret to living a powerful Christian life is exactly that, is being hidden. Embracing the hidden season that the Lord has placed for It might feel upsetting, it might feel a little overwhelming, like, God, that's not fair. But at the end of the hiddenness, God will allow you to bear more fruit than ever before. God will promote you in ways you can never promote yourself. So with every eyes closed, this is kind of how we're going kind of to end. With every eyes closed, we're going to end like this. Like I said, I really believe that in this room tonight, that God wants to mark some people. I really believe that in this room tonight, God wants to mark some people. As even Pastor Carol said, God wants to mark some people to go out and make a difference into their friend groups. God wants to mark some people into making a difference in their communities. God wants to mark some people to being a difference maker in this world. But it happens in a place of hiddenness. And some of you guys right now, you guys are in a place where you hit it. You feel like you have all these ambitions and dreams that need to be seen, but God is saying, not yet, wait. Wait, it's not time yet. I will reveal you when the time comes. And when I reveal you, no man can shut you down. But until that time, wait. So right now, with every eyes closed, this is what I want us to do. With every eyes closed. If you are in this place tonight and you're saying, God, I want to be used by you. God, I want to be used by you not to make myself known, but to make you known. God, I want to be used by you not to make myself famous, but to make Jesus famous. God, I want to be used by you not to get my name out in public, but to mention the name of Jesus is exalted above every other name. And if that's you tonight that says, God, I want to be used by you, I lay myself down on the counter and I want you to stand and pray. One, two, three, begin to stand and pray. If that's you tonight, you're saying, God, I want to be used by you. Jesus, we think, and I want you to pray right now. Say, God, use me. Use me. Use me. God, I want to be used by you, God, not to make myself known, but to make you know. God, I want to be used by you, God, to make you famous. God, I lay down and surrender all things. God, I lay down and surrender all things. Begin to pray. Begin to lift up your voice. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. God, won't you mark the room tonight, God? We thank you that you are marking individuals in this place tonight, God. We thank you that you are marking people to make a difference in high schools and colleges all across this room tonight, God. We thank you that you are marking people to make a difference across the region tonight, God. We thank you, Lord. Begin to pray. Begin to lift up your Thank you for listening to Pursuit Cast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.